Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Welcome to episode 117 of Courtside Indiana podcast. I'm Jim Reamer, joined with Zach Tyler and Chris Spillman. Guys, how are you doing today? Good. Great. Great. One word. Well, Zach threw in two words. Great. Twice. So Twice. Yeah. That's, that's quality <laughs> audio. We, uh, we, this is what po- we're post-sectional. So sectional finals were yesterday. So we've got, we've got some. We've got some winners. We've got some disappointment. At least on Chris and I's part, our, our teams didn't make it this week. But uh, we're going to do our normal rigmarole and talk about some good basketball that we all saw. And there's an off chance that Nick Nick Baumgart might roll in here. We'll see. What Way off chance. Well, yeah. I mean, he's in fairness, he is an hour behind. And, and, with this being our regular pod, regular recording time, we're not really delaying much for him. So poor guy. It's seven forty five a.m. where he is right now. So recording here on a Sunday morning. But anyway, but right now Zach's going to get us updated on recruiting. We didn't do anything last week, so we've got a f- couple weeks worth to get caught up on. And, right. and I think we're going to touch on this tech situation that happened. <laughs> well, literally, like it. What Tuesday night? There were games were already being played, <laughs> and we we got breaking news that like I forget when Kyle Nedenrip posted that story, but it was probably like ten thirty. It was after we did our Twitter space. I enjoyed the Twitter space, by the way, Chris. Obviously, you was part of that as well. But you being an hour behind, uh, Friday night, Zach. Oh yeah, because you went to Portage, and then our game times didn't mesh last night. Um, by the time I got anywhere where I could, or by the time I was anywhere to record, anywhere to do that, it just wasn't feasible. So we'll, we'll be able to do something this week. I think as we move uh, in between games at, at the, at the regionals. So, but Zach, why don't you get us updated on recruiting? We'll talk about some of that stuff and then we'll move into our, our best games and best teams and stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see, Aaron Humphrey, from Tinley, got a Mount Aloysius offer. That's a D3. Sean Page from Anderson got a Central State offer, a D2. Ashton Johnson from Fort Wayne Southside got a St. Francis offer. Uh, let's see. Aiden Lambert also got a St. Francis offer. He's from Snyder. Jackson Gold from Warsaw 2023, St. Francis offer as well. And then you'll have to help me with the name again, Wesley. Chilichowski. Chilichowski, thank you. From Floyd Central, picked up an offer from Bethel. And then our uh, commitment we had was Grant Brown from Snyder, committed to Wabash. And now my OCD leads me to wonder, want to know why we have two St. Francis's spelled two different ways. So hold on a second. I'm literally going to check that as, we, as we're talking. I, the one I liked was, I mean, not that I, oh, wait, well, there's St. Francis in Chicago. Yep. So was that the right one? Nope, that was the wrong one for on okay. my part. 
So he got offered. So I wondered about that. So he got offered from by St. Francis in Fort Indiana. Wayne. Yeah, okay. yeah. That makes sense. That's. I remember him posting that on social media. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't overlook something. Oh no, that was a yeah. Lambert did too. So, so St. Francis basically has three offers: Aston Johnson, Aiden Lambert, both those seniors. Jackson Gould, who's a junior from Warsaw. The one I liked was not that I didn't like those, but the the one that was interesting for me is Sean Page from Anderson, big kid, strong kid. And I think he will be, um, he, he could be interesting. He would be a kid that if he could figure out a way to get re-recruited, like with a prep school or Juco or whatever, but now I guess with the transfer portal, it doesn't matter. You can go somewhere and, but you could go somewhere and transfer once and not have to sit. But Paige to me seems like if he gets in a situation where he just completely works on his game, I mean, he is a big, strong kid, and he, and he plays pretty hard. He and Jaquez Ingram were the two huge reasons why they beat Greenfield Tuesday night. Not that they weren't favored, but but those two guys battered Greenfield on the boards, on the offensive glass, and, and really, really pleased with Paige's motor. He's got some lateral limitations. Like, he's he's probably a drop guy in ball screen coverage, but, but he um, – he is uh, he's a he's a big boy, and I think he's got pretty good hands and pretty good touch, and and think if he could just really improve his body a little bit, that he would be um, he might be a little bit more of a more of a commodity than what he has been. I think not too many people know much about him right now, but he's a nice player. Neither one of you guys have yeah. seen. Yeah, Chris, have you seen? Great, it? great. Wait, I saw him. I watched their. Uh their game against Anderson and he, he would, he looked pretty big and he was definitely making an against impact Mount, around the rim. You mean events Mount Vernon or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, okay. Mount Vernon. I don't know if you meant the sectional game or, or something else. So yeah. 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 He's, I mean, he's nice. I, I saw him play in the fall. Um, he was, he was good. He played in our fall league. So that was, it was a good view of him. I had not seen him before. At least I don't think I had. Um, I think he and Amir Carson, are both new to them since last season. There's a chance that Page was there last year but couldn't play. Can't remember how that was explained to me, but Ashton Johnson's at a good level for him, Zach. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got the IU East offer. Big, he's a stockier uh, guard. I mean, he played both guard spots probably. He shoots it well enough. Play good size. Ball. I think he does shoot it well enough. Yeah. Uh, he handles it well. He, great motor for him, too. I, I think uh, it will be good for him. It would have been good to have somebody on who wa- who got a chance to watch their game last night versus Homestead. I watched I watched the part of the end of that game, yeah. um, and he, he looked pretty good. They were just – that was a really – I watched the last five minutes or so, and it, there wasn't a lot of scoring in the last five minutes. But he he had a few tough buckets near the end and rebounded well and – had almost hit a three-fourth score shot to tie it, but was in and out. So, yeah. yeah. I guess that's the one good thing about staying at home is you get to live stream. You get to watch a bunch of streams. Hmm. I guess we could have too. With I don't know how good the Wi-Fi was where where um, you were, Zach. But I don't Off know if I could have. I could have. Li- I don't know if I could have live streamed some other games just to keep an eye on them or not. But but I'm not sure how much my attention span would have been divided last night with the game I was watching. So, um, Chelichowski, I, 
I, we've talked about this before. I thought he committed to Marion a long time ago and I was wrong a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be interesting. He, you know, he played, didn't play a ton of minutes as a junior, but then was really good in the summer. I thought he was really effective and, and a big strong body and a good rim protector. And again, he is definitely attached to the, to the paint. So um, is he, he's six ten? Is that right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a big kid. And okay. I think he's really developed a lot lately. And I think he's got a chance to be, I mean, look, you look at what he's done the last year, just in terms of development. I think he could be a, um, he could definitely be, I mean, a factor in the, in the, in the crossroads league. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Size is size comes at a premium and size is a for sure. at all level. So yeah. kind of riffing before the, before we hit record that, Page would have been Sean Page would have been a good candidate to maybe be a prep school kid and play another year of summer. But I don't know what he's going to do with now that he's got a good Division two offer. So, so the weird thing was, so we do all this recording for our sectional stuff. We had four hours of podcast basically, and then we get through the first night of games, and then about what ten thirty, ten forty five, Kyle Nedenrip breaks that Damon Turner at Tech was going to be suspended for, I guess, effectively the remainder of the season. There, there was no timetable to it, but can't imagine that it was going to be overturned anytime this week um, and and probably not overturned anytime soon. So he was basically done. He didn't get a chance to coach in the tournament. I, You know, you guys have any feel for this? Any Any thoughts on it? I, I just told you I was surprised it took so long because I felt like that was kind of apparent earlier and not this late. Yeah. Yeah, timing was a little off, off, weird, I guess. And there is some there has been some talk behind the scenes that, that they waited on purpose so that way there couldn't be a, an appeal um, so that there couldn't be any way to, to not let him coach. I don't know if that's legitimate or not. The IHSA will certainly deny that if it's if that is the case. Um, and you know, there, there'd be no way of proving it unless somebody has some sort of written correspondence, but you know, the, the one thing when all this stuff came out actually in the fall in October, when, when Kyle, when Ned and Rip did the article about him, about them, you know, we talked a little bit about this past link rule and the, the way it's intertwined with it's bylaw 20 it's in bylaw 20, by the way, which bylaw 20 deals with undue influence. The way it's intertwined with the bylaw 19, which is the transfer bylaws, is I felt like at the time the interpretation was, and the reason I felt like the IHSA had all the information they needed, the fact that they had new information, I guess this is where I'm going with this. The fact that they claim to have new information leading up to this decision is, is, is mind-blowing. Everyone knew those two guys played for Damon. Everyone, we're talking about Reggie Bass and, and Rashid Jones. Everyone knew those guys played for him for multiple years. I would guess back to sixth or seventh grade. So this is not new information. So the way I was interpreting it at the time was that bylaw 19 stood on its own. That, you know, basically... Transfers are only an issue 
if they go from a state associated school to another state associated school. So we talked about this, that yep. if you're yep. moving from, let's say, obviously school to school in Indiana, you've got certain rules you've got to live by. If you, if you transfer in from a, a normal high school out of, from out of state, like Ohio or Illinois, for example, you've got their rules to worry about. And each state has proven that they will honor the other state's rules on how they handle this stuff. You know, and you had a lot of kids last year from Illinois who transferred over to Indiana to play. And I'm sure there were some exceptions made, but, but you can bet that there was some discussion between the Illinois Athletic Association and the Indiana Athletic Association or High School Athletic Association. So my understanding was that bylaw 19 stood on its own. And if you didn't violate any transfer rules in bylaw 19, then bylaw 20 wouldn't be an issue. The bylaw 20 would only be an issue if there was, um, if it was school to school, like intra intrastate transfers, like coming from a prep school to me meant that these kids were beyond the 365 day window of playing for, you know, an Indiana high school team or, you know, another high school team because prep schools are beyond the scope of any transfer rules, basically. I mean, the HSA couldn't give two, two craps about what a prep school thinks, especially an unaffiliated prep school. Right. So the, the timing on it sucks. The fact that there's new information just seems silly. It, it, it tells me that the people that are making these decisions, especially on the basketball side, really have no feel for the game beyond what happens at school ball, which I think is, I think that should change. I think the, the person who's in charge of high school basketball should, at the IHSA should be out looking, should be out watching games in the summer. You know, he should be at the, if nothing else, go to the Charlie Hughes invitation at Carmel and, and Hamilton Southeastern. You know, if nothing else, go to a Butler team camp or go to, you know, if you, if you don't want to travel in June because it disrupts your vacation, you know, your, your, you know, your, your time, you know, just pick a couple of isolated events. It's not hard to find good events in central Indiana, which is where a lot of these guys do live, especially in the executive committee. It's not hard to find good events where you are and, and see some of the top players. I, I guess if I was in charge of the HSA basketball, especially basketball, I'd want to know who the top players in the sport were, but that's just me. But anyway, anybody have any other thoughts on that? No, just bad. Like you're saying, bad timing. People not. I mean, uh, yeah, just it's just super weird. Yeah, it was weird. It's and it's too bad. It doesn't make sense. It is too bad because it I don't hurts know how the kids much, too. I don't know how much the outcome would have changed. I mean, I mean, Chris, we both you've watched Tech a lot. They basically live and die by how how well they're shooting the ball. I don't know who's coaching the team is. <laughs> I don't know if who's coaching the team is going to change some of that. Yeah. I mean, there might be some, there might be some, some valid, um, some valid sentiment toward the notion of this as things are going south, Damon may be able to calm the troops down a little bit, a little bit more easily than whomever coached. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with Zach. I think the timing kind of sucked and, but at the same time, I, the HSA's rationale of new information is just it's, 
it's kind of mind-blowing because there was there was absolutely no we could have told them that back in in june when they were playing with them so all right well moving on best game doing our weekly stuff best game best team best player performance the week We'll start with the we'll start with Chris since he's not a regular. Chris, what was the best game you saw? And it includes streaming too. So what yeah, was the well, best game you saw? Yeah, well, I would um for the games I watched fully, I would say probably Lawrence North and Warren Central, just because that was a really competitive game and it included what I would say is the best performance I saw, which was CJ Gunn against Warren Central as well when he had 26 in the first 13 minutes. Um, but that game, just both teams were playing really well. And it was really close until the end. Ellen started pulling away, but Gunn really, really impressed by him in that game because the thing that was I haven't seen it is I haven't seen him too much before, but he was really hitting threes and he just kept shooting from this one spot, which was like that tick on the side court. He just kept shooting from that area on the wing and he just kept making it. And Warren just couldn't guard it really, and he kept hitting tough. And this goes the whole weekend. He kept hitting tough pull up mid range shots too, and he was, he was hard to guard the whole weekend. And they Lawrence North, they just had just play a little bit more under control than Warren, and that's kind of what got them to win. And, and yeah, so, but yeah. Yeah, Ellen's got more – they have more they have more shot makers overall than what, what Warren does. I mean, they've – Warren was able to settle their backcourt. Beginning of the year, they really were struggling. They were able to settle their backcourt, but they weren't really – consistent scoring threats other than, I mean, unless you're, you know, we're talking about Deontay Davis, obviously doing a lot of it as well. I'm talking about their, their other guards, um, the guys that we would traditionally view as guards where, you know, LN's got Kobe Bowles and Mac Brown and guys that played well against Christmas addicts Tuesday night. So Zach, what was your best game? Best game was last night. Uh, Mary and John Glenn. One versus two and three A. We had a lot uh, of rematches last night. A lot of rematches last night. Yeah, I don't. It'd be interesting to see how many teams won this, the rematch as opposed to the regular season game. But uh, in this case, Marion won this game. John Glenn won the regular season game. Uh, it was back and forth most of the game. I mean, uh, Marion had a, a a good lead uh, around the second quarter into the third quarter. Glenn had a good lead at the beginning of the game in the first quarter into the second quarter. Uh, but, but I feel like Marion's schedule, the regular season schedule, they play some tough teams. Uh, Glenn doesn't really go do that. I think that might've helped him in this case. We, yeah. we kind of talk about guys, team scheduling up. Uh, I looked into that a little more here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we see you guys, you, you guys were able to see Marion play cathedral, play Westfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they go play, they play South side and, and John Glenn just doesn't do that. So I, I'd like to think that helps in this case, but. I mean, I, I certainly think it does now, I, you know, the conference that, that Glenn, John Glenn is in is a good conference. So it's not like they play an easy schedule by any stretch right, of imagination. Right. Cause they're so, in the conference, same conference as Marion. Right. And it's a D it's a 10 team conference, right? Or is it a 12 team conference? Uh, I think it's 10, 10. I have to look. They, you know, so they do have a good schedule. But, yeah, I mean, I value teams that play difficult schedules. I mean, you know, you look it's at – It's 12. <laughs> is it, yeah, I thought – yeah, I thought it was bigger. Um, you, you look at – you look at all the schools around central Indiana and how they just beat up on each other. 
very rarely are you going to have. That's what made Fishers' 21 and 2 pretty impressive because they play a pretty decent non conference schedule and they're in a really good conference. So, you know, you had, we had to consider them, you know, legitimate, even though, you know, their best piece was their best player, their best talent was a freshman. You know, and Simmons was having a really good year. Um, right. he, you know, he just he, he struggles when there's just a ton. Where he struggles when he's just in the low post. I don't want to get too far down that tangent because that was earlier. That was Tuesday night, but but yeah, I think I think scheduling up really helps. And and it, look, it's something you can do when you feel like you have a really quality team. You know, and right. when Brooks and Cacalia graduate, and if they don't have the pieces to replace them, I would imagine they could they could eliminate Westfield and eliminate you know, eliminate cathedral and find two decent teams in, in their area and still not have, and still have a good schedule. Right. So, but my best game pretty, I mean, I look, every game I saw this week was double digits except for one. That was last night, Carmel versus Westfield. Um, we can't, um, obviously the team I'm rooting for there. I don't ever have any <laughs> shame in admitting that I'm biased toward Carmel. Um, I thought that Westfield, to me, it was it go. It comes down to I, I mean, as good as Braden Smith is, and and of course, a lot of this is his vision and his creation. As good as Braden Smith is, it, it was Alex Romack that he had a lot of nails in that coffin last night. Every time Braden got in trouble, Romack was around, and every time Braden found him, and every time, almost every time, Romack <laughs> Romack converted the. The funny thing was, was the first one, Braden was like, I don't know, it seemed like he was four feet away and threw a fastball at Romax, at Romax head. <laughs> and I thought, well, I felt bad for Alex because I don't think the moment was too big for him. I just think that that thing was coming off pretty hot. And I thought, but, you know, we could use more of that. We could use some more turnovers. And But, you know, the problem was, and I even put this in the tweet, was Romack was wide open. First play of the game, basically. The first possession of the game for Westfield. And they got the the play that I that I've been worried about since June. I mean, we've been I've been foreshadowing this since June that Romac since the since the uh, Charlie Hughes that Romac was going to be the X factor for them. And not just against Carmel, but certainly against Carmel because Carmel's length has been has bothered Braden. You know, when Braden gets the paint now this this year he he did finish better at the rim, and he was wonderful last night. But there's still times where he gets in trouble and because he, he has to create stuff. And there's there's been times where that trouble has led to extra deflections. Even if it's Carmel deflecting it out of bounds, it still gives Carmel a chance to reset their defense. You know, and, and but last night, every time he was deep in penetration, Romack was there. And those two guys worked so well in tandem. Hafner had a good game. You know, really, I, I was – it was outstanding that Carmel came back. I mean, they were down by as many as 13. The first possession of the second half, Smith hits a three. It's the biggest lead of the game, 13 points, and Carmel comes roaring back. And then um, the one matchup, the one switch they made at halftime was they put Garway Dual on, on the Smith, and that changed the dynamic of the game. And he picked up his third foul, and Osborne moved him away from him and went back to whack. And now all of a sudden – Braden had an opportunity to he didn't he whack is a really good defender but but he's you know he doesn't really bother Braden's vision 
you know, Duall can bother his vision and Duall can get, get up and vertically and, and contest shots that, that whack can't right. wax defensive acumen is going to be position, not really letting Braden get to where he wants to go. Although that's a little tougher to do this year than it, than it has been in the past. I mean, obviously he's better, but Duall was really effective on him and he was pretty effective on him during the regular season game. But then when they took him off of him, that gave Braden the, the, the extra the extra vertical space that he needed to make plays, and and then that's when they sort of grab control of the game. And I don't, I don't know. I was I was kind of hoping that at some point they would go back to him, but then Garway picked up a cheap fourth foul, diving on the ground for a loose ball. Thought it was a bad call. He did not dive on top of the guy. He did make contact with the guy, but it wasn't like he dove on top of him. You know and. You know, that picked up his fourth foul. And I think at that point, Osborne made the decision he was not going to put Duall on Braden because he he figured Duall being in the game was more important than Duall guarding Smith. And I, I certainly I certainly don't question it beyond um, what would it have looked like for maybe a couple of possessions late in the game. That would have been the only thing. But, but you know, again, I, I'm sitting up there on my laptop, calm as can be, <laughs> not in the – not in the heat of the battle, trying to make those decisions in real time with assistants telling you one thing and talking to officials, you're talking to coaches, but, but man, I thought Carmel had control that game and, and Braden just snatched it back and he was brilliant and Romack was good. And Hafner was good. Hafner had an eight Oh run on his own at one point uh, that when Carmel had their, was that their biggest lead was three points. I think it was their biggest lead was three points. And then Hafner went on a personal 8-0 run. And, and next thing you know, Westfield was ahead by eight or ahead by five. And that was it. They never looked back. Uh, the game was never, never really. Uh, Carmel did have a ball down three with a chance to tie it and couldn't get their shots to go down. Um, you know, they had one possession late where they had six shots at the rim, right at the rim. Couldn't get any of it to go down. Orm got fouled and then only hit one free throw. They were down two. And then, um, and then they were down four after that. And then it just, it was at that point, it was just, they just were chasing something they weren't going to catch. So great game, proud of Carmel, proud of how they fought. They didn't, they didn't fold. Um, Pete Suter had a hell of a career. I think it's something that I'm, you know, I wish, uh, you know, you kind of wish he could go out and be undefeated in sectionals at least. Uh, but he was uh, in line to be four years without losing a state without losing a state tournament game, and and that kind of ended last night. So, great career for Pete. Was glad to see Charlie Williams have a have a really good second half, and uh, Josh Wack did all the things he could. I know I'm taking now time to just talk about Carmel seniors, but but um, yeah, kudos to Westfield. They were brilliant last night, and and Braden was uh, was everything that I thought he was. So best team, Chris, uh, I would have to go with cathedral. I was really impressed with how consistent they played after the first game, though a North central game, that was a little bit of like a game of runs kind of, but the tech game and then the, um, Oh, the LN game. I was just impressed. It seemed like just, they have so much depth and each game, they didn't really have a guy that, led them in like it wasn't a guy that you could say after the game clearly was the reason they won it was just everyone was making shots everyone was doing things and 
Xavier Booker, he, pr- he had two really good games um, Friday and Saturday, especially Friday. He really – he kind of led them to the win because they were trailing going into the fourth against Tech, and then he went in and was just – just kept kept going around the basket, and they had some great passes to him. Comer played well, and I'd say definitely Cathedral. Good. good. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to – I don't know where I'm going with this weekend. Kind of – I think I'm still going to go to Logansport. Can't go wrong watching Westfield play and, and get to see Kokomo play with Peck and Paul coaching. And but uh, plan B would be uh, Indianapolis for sure. So, Zach, best team? Uh, I'm gonna have to stick with 26 and 0 Chesterton Trojans. Yeah. Um, they just keep rolling, they keep finding ways to win, battling through adversity. Um, didn't have to play Valpo this time. Maryville still gave him a tough battle. Uh, Travis Grayson obviously did his thing, carried him last night again against Portage. Uh, but they got other guys that step up every night, either Parish, one of the Parish brothers, Chris Mullen. Sims plays well. Guest plays well. I mean, they're the total package, I feel like. And they just keep rolling. Undefeated. Yep, expect to see them in the uh, regionals championship Saturday night. I want to check something real quick before I say this. Yeah, there's still there's still there's still two undefeated teams left because Monroe Central won. I hadn't really looked at all the sectional scores last night. I, I knew the four A ones, and I knew some of the ones that that um, I knew some of the ones that impacted kids I coached. Just a little side note here: a Bloomington team won every game in the Martinsville sectional. <laughs> Nice. Every every single game was a Bloomington team that won. Bloomington North and South each won on Tuesday. They each won on Friday. And then, of course, Bloomington North beat South last night, 32-28 to 28 in overtime. Oh. People be complaining about Carmel games. 32-28 to oh. 28 in overtime. Uh, well, my team, best team of the week was is Westfield. I don't, I don't see – uh, any the, the way they played, if nothing else, the way they demolished Fishers, the the way they, I mean, they kind of did the HSC we thought they would. I mean, HSC's young, and they're I mean they're they're most talented kids. Although Ray, Ref's going to be really good for Stevenson's going to be good for them next year as a senior, but they've got some they've got some decently talented sophomores that I think um, um, you know are going to have. They're going to make some noise. So, but yeah, not much, not much more to say about Westfield than what I already, than what I already said. I mean, they, they were really strong, like I said, against Fishers and HSC. I thought uh, the, the play of Romac was hugely impactful all week. And I think you look at, uh, you look at what Hafner did against, against Fishers where he didn't really score. I don't, I mean, I think he only had five points against Fishers. Unless I missed the basket late, he had, he didn't score much against them. And he came out firing a little bit early against HSC with a little bit more of a, of, of a mindset off the ball of being moving, moving more with purpose. And then he obviously, like I said earlier, he made some plays last night. So my team of the week pretty simply is, is Westfield. So. Chris, your player of the week, your best player performance, you're going with Gun. Yeah, I'm going to go with Gun. Although, yeah, it's just because that was the main one I was watching. If Braden Smith gets a 
honorable mention for me though, because he was incredible. But Gunn, that Warren Central first half, the first 13 minutes was just I, I haven't really seen much like that. He just really took over the game. And they were only up by one at halftime, despite him having 26 in that half. So that was interesting. But he was just hitting threes, hitting everything he threw at the rim. And he's really athletic. He's he's just a good guard, really good guard. So yeah. Zach, who is your who's your best your player performance? Um, I'm going to go to a different game than in anything I've <clears throat> talked about already. I'm going to go to senior guard Drew Adzia from Crown Point. This guy is a kid that, or this kid's a kid that must needs to be picked up by D3, if not a lower level NAI. Uh, 27 points on Portage. Uh, knocking down threes, hitting his free throws, getting other guys involved. Uh, such a hard-nosed point guard, great floor leader, just had a heck of a game, and it was tough to see him lose just because I kind of know who he is and his family. But uh, Drew Adzia, senior guard at, at Crown Point. I mean, my my best player is pretty simple. <laughs> it's just Braden Smith. I mean, he was – you know, the way he was, the way he played all week, the the way he's played all year, he's probably still not 100% healthy. I don't, I don't think it bothered him last night, although there was a possession midway through the fourth quarter where he was down. Uh, he was probably just cramping a little bit. But he, uh, he just was spectacular, and he's, he's fun to watch. As an IU fan, I'm disappointed they didn't, that Archie Miller, of all people, a small guard who succeeded in a, in a high major conference, never even considered him. You know, he had two assistants in his ear telling him that you need to recruit this kid, you need to, you need to go after him, and he just never would. And, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't know that he still wouldn't have ended up at Purdue, but, you know, at the end of the day, the, it's, it's tough that, you know, it's tough for Indiana. You look at how they're struggling with guys who can shoot, you know, Butler would have been – it would have been a good get for Butler. It's going to be a great get for Purdue. It's going to be a great get for them. And and he was he was spectacular this week, so he lived up to it. So, any uh, – Chris, we also do promising prospects. Any young – typically they're freshmen or they're sophomores that didn't didn't perform at the varsity level as, 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 as freshmen. So, they're first-year sophomores – or fre- or freshman anybody that you saw this week yeah okay yeah i've got i'll say two actually so the first one okay. javon guess from warren central he he looked really really solid in their game against ln he was he rebounded really well and he was really active in getting the ball and was being aggressive and confident and he looked really good and he's he's a big he's got a really big frame too he's like six five and six five six six and that's a pretty bulky frame too um and then i did i watched just a little bit of this game but franklin micah davis yeah he tech he sort of doesn't technically fit since he played you know varsity for homeschool last year but he led his team to a sectional championship over center grove and had a lot of good performances this week and he i was really impressed with him last summer and he's i mean pretty impressive to lead them to sectional title and that was pretty impressive for franklin overall too so that, that's a sectional where the, the team that's favored to win rarely wins it. I think there were a couple of years where Center Grove did win it with Trace Jackson Davis. But other than that, it seems like the team that's supposed to win 
just doesn't. And I, I think that would have been Whiteland. And they, they got beat. They didn't even get to the championship game. So, Zach, you have any promising promising uh, prospects? Yeah. I, the what They're Wellman twins at Portage yeah. or freshmen. They, they start for them. Uh, great bodies on them so far. They're going to, they're going to be really good. And then uh, somebody I saw Tuesday night at uh, Elkhart was Marion Dye from Elkhart. Six, three kid. He plays football <clears throat> freshman for them. Just starting to get some varsity minutes and he's got a good frame on him, him as well. And he was bodying them up in the post and, and played hard against Concord. So he'll be good in the future. I want to give an honorable mention. Also, if Chris is giving honorable mentions for guys, I want I want to give out a shout out to Marcus Burton from Penn as well. Yeah, Marcus Burton averaged twenty nine points in the three games of his sectionals at Elkhart. Uh, just heck of a player, heck of a floor leader as well, and handles the pressure really well. It'll be good to see. Hopefully, get to see them play Chesterton Saturday night at Michigan City. Penn's going to be. I mean, they'll be one of the top teams next year for sure. So they've got it. They've got a, again a good group of juniors. Shocking. Yep. Yep. Everybody has juniors. It seems like. Uh, we, we've we've talked a lot about Jalen Harrelson. I thought the way he played in the second half, especially against against Westfield, was impressive. I mean, he was really the one guy that that could get anything. Uh, he's again, I love how smart he is without the basketball. He doesn't he doesn't just stand around and watch. He's a participant. He cuts with purpose. But I think the guy there—that's my sort of backdoor honorable mention guy. The guy that I wanted to talk about was was Bray, was Braylon Mullins at Greenfield, six four freshman. Their second leading scorer—I think he's their second leading scorer. If not, he's definitely the third, and then it's the second and third guys are right, like right around eleven points a game. But but their second leading scorer—he's going to be—he's thin right now. That's his thing. He's so he's thin. As he starts to fill out more, he's going to be a—he's going to be a really good shot maker. And I think with him and Moles, Dylan Moles next year, I mean, if they could figure out some way, you know, if they can figure out, I mean, they got bullied on the glass. <laughs> they could figure out some way to counteract that. Uh, those two guys uh, together are going to be a pretty good duo, a backcourt duo for, for Greenfield. But, but I would look for Mullins next year to take a big leap statistically because he will, be, he will get stronger. He probably will continue to grow another inch or so. So he'll be a six five six six wing, and he's going to be a kid. He doesn't fear the moment. He's willing to he's willing to step into big shots, you know. And I, I like that he's competitive, even if he's missing shots. He doesn't doesn't let it impact the other end of the the other end of the court. And he'll get better defensively too with strength. I mean, he's he's got a lot of size and length. His dad played at played at IUPUI. Was a Greenfield grad. Played back in the with him and John Hamilton. So. Um, and the um, anyway, that's that's my young player. So, any surprises? Any any surprises this week? Probably. Oh, go ahead, Chris. You go. I was gonna say I watched a few. I watched um, a little bit of the Terre Haute North sectional, and I was impressed with Terre Haute North beating both the sort of indie indie schools in the sectional with Brownsburg and Avon, and they just. They don't really have any like guys from watching that they pop off the page a ton, but they just have a really tough team that plays well and they hit a lot of have a lot of shooters and that's kind of what got them the win against Brownsburg. It was close and then they hit three or four threes in a row and Brownsburg wasn't scoring. 
there. I don't know how they'll match up against Cathedral, but that was definitely a nice win for them to win their sectional. So, yeah. Zach, what was your did you have, what was your surprise? I know yeah. there's surprises. I just it's picking which one. Just a just a couple up here. I mean, Valpo obviously losing in the first their first game to Maryville was a pretty big deal because everybody was assuming that was going to be a rematch with them in Chesterton uh, Friday night. Uh, another one would probably would have been Lake Station. I get maybe maybe that just that sectional in, in general, like Eliana Christian losing their first game to Andrean and then Lake Station not ending up not coming out of there after <laughs> yeah. after that. You know, I mean with with Willie Miller and uh, the, another good junior like we've been talking about, but right, those would be the two two I think yeah, would, were more surprising. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, and I thought we felt like Ileana Christian had played a pretty decent schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, they, definitely. They, didn't, they weren't playing a bunch of chump change up there. I mean, but but again, Andrean usually plays a pretty loaded schedule for what they you know for I guess effectively a two A school. Um, it was been a down year for them, but they're usually a team a lot like Lafayette Central Catholic. Who did they win their sectional? No. LCC, they didn't. They got beat. Yeah. No, they won their sectional. Did they win it? Oh, I'm yeah, thinking of Lafayette beat, Jeff. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lafayette Catholic, Central Catholic beat North Vermillion by 39. You know, a lot like a lot like LCC, you just with Andrean, you just who who cares what their record is? You just kind of always figure they're going to be at least among the favorites. But right, right. So that means a, a losing record team goes to regionals through there, Noel. Uh, and then another maybe surprise we kind of talked about. We we all thought Harrison was going to be Kokomo just because of guard play, but that that obviously wasn't the case. Yeah, guard just guard experience. Yeah, right, because, right. I mean, that's Kokomo's point guards a freshman, and 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 I think that you know you you look at the the Lucas brothers are both good defenders. Ben Henderson is a really good defender. I you know and and it's certainly uh, the Lucases have a lot of length. And Ben Henderson, six three, six four. Yep. There's just a lot of size there on, on three guys who can really guard. And I was, uh, you know, I, I go. I don't think I was surprised. I think I was. I'm going to double check here, but I think I was surprised at the um, at the point spread of that game against against Harrison. That it was that it got to be 22 points. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. Kokomo won, but it was. Certainly, I picked Harrison to win the sectional, so I mean, I got that one wrong. But at the same time, I was surprised that it was that. You know, there's a lot of games this week, especially the games I saw, where I wasn't surprised necessarily the team who won, but just surprised at how the, the you know the, the, the point spread difference was. So, I think my biggest surprise of the week, although I'm sure they'll they would argue, is I, Lutheran beating Tenley. Again, you look at what Tenley their schedule wise, what they play, and and how tested they were going into that situation, how they were tested going into that sectional. Uh was was pretty surprised and and that that Lutheran was able to get them. And it was looking, you know, we talked an awful lot about hoping to get that Tenley Tenley 21st century matchup in the state finals, which also means that Tenley had to beat, you know, probably North Davies along the way or whoever won that sectional, which happened to be North Davies, but but couldn't, you know, he definitely uh you know, it wasn't a certainty that they would get to the finals, but I certainly thought they would get get past the, the sectionals. So, and the other one was Yorktown. Yorktown, we're going to have a, a sub-500 team in the in the regionals at 3A level, too, as Yorktown comes through. They beat Jay County last night. They had the easiest draw, that group. Uh, they, they had Delta, who's having kind of a down year. 
Muncie Burris, who's just kind of like you know, Muncie Burris. And then, then they had to play Jay County. Jay County had to go through Newcastle and Hamilton Heights. And then again, Yorktown beats them by 19, you know, just utterly shocked that, and I know Yorktown's got some quality guards. They've got, they got some kids that can score. Maybe there's an injury situation that impacted the record this year uh, that, that now they're healthy. I mean, they were 10 and 14 this year with a one point a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game losing streak. And they lost their final two games of the year, including, <laughs> including the Mount Vernon by 44 points. So this was not a resume that, that screamed the team was going to come through the sectional. I mean, they've got some bad losses in terms of point spreads and they, they do play, they do play a good schedule. I mean, they're in a good conference, but, but yeah, those two were definitely surprises for me. And I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously we have other things like little knickknack ones like Connorsville and, you know, stuff like that. Connorsville, not, not only did Connorsville not win the sectional, but Greensburg didn't win the sectional, but those, you know, they had four really good teams in that sectional. So, or four teams that had really good seasons. So, so yeah, those were my two, uh, those were two surprises I thought. So, well, anybody got anything else before we get to our reads? I don't think so. I was just, I was going to ask about Yorktown. I knew I was going to ask about their regular season if that was a surprise that they got through there in the end as with a sub 500 record and how they match up against Northwood, but I mean, they've got a couple of sophomore guards that are good. They've got junior guard AJ Dunn who's who's terrific. I mean, they've got they've got some guys who can score. They've got some guys who can shoot. So I guess if they can come in, and I think anytime you've got good shooters, you got a shooter's chance. You know, like a like you've got a puncher's chance if you want to play out the play out a metaphor. But but I mean, they just had a bad year. I don't know if they had injuries this year um, or, or what. But but it, you know, they they came through when it mattered, and they're they're moving on. So Zach, you got your yeah, got, go for it. Yeah, Box Out Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student-athletes this season. Sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. That can be used in high school, too. Remember, you can use it for about any any sports team, not just basketball. Guys, thank you for listening to the Courtside Indiana podcast. If you listen every week, we appreciate it. If not, what do we, what do we say now, Zach? Why, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> We've stolen it from Nick. What are you doing? Hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app and get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. And as always, we'd appreciate a rating and review, especially a five-star rating. Thank you. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter and Instagram accounts, although we're not super active on Instagram, but but you can definitely reach us there if you want to send messages to Courtside Indy or Courtside IND. That's Courtside IND on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Chris, are you going to be able to get the games this weekend? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Where I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm not undecided right now, but I'll take a look and let you know. So. All right. Well, we'll. If you want to go to if you want to go to Southport, we can get you we can get you in there. So I'll we'll set up a credential. Zach, where are you headed this week? Uh, it's gonna be tough. I'm either a problem Michigan City at night, depending on who wins that one, or. Uh, it might be might be nice to go to North Judson and see Blackhawk Central Noble in that championship if that ends up being that go that route. Yeah, that's the thing. I, with Carmel out now, I can think more about do I want to go someplace in the morning and then go somewhere else at night. And I, I think that um, I'll yeah, I'll definitely be doing that bouncing around. 
wonder where the depending on matchups get my usual five hour stint at uh bw3 and logansport jeez they may not they may not get my money this year i don't know i mean homestead westfield's pretty juicy i'm guessing i'm going to end up at logansport in the morning and then where i end up at night i think depends on matchups i wouldn't mind watching tipton versus carroll uh, would mind you know there's some other things I wouldn't mind watching I don't think I'm going to do something crazy like go up to Logansport and then end up like deep south southern Indiana somewhere um, but yeah I've got got some options in the evening but yeah there's there's no way I'm missing the Homestead Westfield game so anyway well guys I appreciate it Zach as always Chris thanks for coming on and everybody else thanks for listening yeah.